Genre. Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 3, one tragic story minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Amendez in the news, and John agrees with me about the uh, perfect illusion thing now. <laughs> yeah, and once you started uh, kind of humming, singing it there, I knew what song it was, and I agree. Yeah. This ZZ well, Top sounds just, boy. So for the reboot that's inevitable, uh, we'll see some... Uh, yeah. Lady oh my Gaga. god, I would love to see a Western Lady Gaga. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's something out there already. You could probably do an image search of that and find her in some probably. kind of Western. I mean, you yeah. can find her in a meat suit. I'm sure you can find her in some <laughs> sort of Western something. Um, it's called her body, Scott. <laughs> oh um, so, uh, welcome back, John. <laughs> like you're Frank, like you're Frank the Rabbit from Donnie Darko. <laughs> Today we're going back uh, to minute 63, which starts with um, the uh, Elmer, the, uh, the the gun owner here, he uh, or gun salesman, um, yeah, telling uh, telling uh, Marty that uh, you know he'd <laughs> like owner. he'd like to he'd like to be selling the gun that shot uh, Buford, and ends with Seamus walking away from Marty and Maggie approaching. Um, I'm getting really, is anybody else getting real John Travolta as Bob Shapiro vibes from Elmer? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I am. I think he looks like. Had to process. I think he looks like John Travolta as Had Bob Shapiro. Had to process Shapiro. for a second to figure out what that was, but yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> his, I think his features anyway. fit his face too well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because because John Travolta's uh, Shapiro, like all of his features. Oh, oh, you mean I, I thought you meant I thought you meant I thought you were just saying that about him. Like, how can someone's features? No, no, no I mean compared. Com like, oh, yeah. in comparison to Bob okay. Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah. he has very small, small Jewish man features on John Travolta's yeah. body, and yeah. it doesn't quite. They don't quite yeah. add up. Um, Tell Cochran that we're, I'm in charge <laughs> of all the meetings. <laughs> amazing um so i had to listen to this i had to listen to this minute like when sure. i was doing my notes i had to listen to seamus's opening line like three times before i could figure out that he's saying you're hot-headed mr eastwood uh okay i'm having a little trouble with saying that it, irish accent some, do you have some alternative things that you thought he was yeah. saying yeah no no it just sounded like gibberish oh, i couldn't man. i couldn't make it out i couldn't make oh. it out yeah, I was hoping there would be a lot of interesting uh, alternative things that you thought he said there, but guess not. Uh, well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna open. You maybe you guys have already talked about this in the earlier scenes, but I'm a big I'm a big Seamus McFly fan. I, I yeah, love I mean this you character. you you specifically you specifically requested. Uh-huh. Uh any minutes with the with with Seamus or the McFlies. So I mean specifically very interested. I love specifically what's going on here is mm. why I like him so much. Mm -hmm. Because what's so frustrating about the second movie and all that chicken stuff is that none of it really adds up to anything, right? It's just uh obviously it gets him in trouble, but then they're just running again and nobody ever like there's never any time 
to settle down and figure out for Marty to figure out like this is a problem. I have ego issues here. I have like some serious mental issues here that won't allow me to uh, uh, look out for my own well-being enough to to just like get yeah, a happy right. life. So what we get is this character then in the third one that's a great counterpoint to Marty. It's a, you kind of get the idea that they're not even that far off in age, right? Because um, you know it's eighteen eighty-five. It's good chance that there's 17, 18 he's year probably olds. the age of he's probably the age of Michael J. Fox right. in real life. Right. In this movie. Right. But what we have is someone who, uh, again, we're back to this, like the evolution of of the young people over the century or, or, or more that we've got a, a guy who has experience, a guy who has responsibility. He has a, a wife. He has a family. The guy who's known he has, boss. Yeah, he has a brother that's actually he's actually reaped the the you know circum the consequences of this kind of behavior. He's seen it before, and I love that there's this counterpoint that actually sets Marty straight. You actually see at the end of this minute. It's kind of fun because right at the end of the minute where it freezes up on the clip, you can see you know Marty Michael J. Fox's Marty getting thoughtful. You actually see uh-huh. he puts his head down and thinks yeah, about like, oh, what wow. he just said because Seamus like really puts it to him. No holds barred. Tells him like, like it is. Gives him a story, a real situation to right. think about. So now we're, we've got a nice yeah. sequence here because what we're talking about, you know, we're, we're within the same sequence here up to the, I think, I guess the end of this minute. We're in mm-hmm. the same sequence where the arc mm-hmm. of the sequence seems to be what we were talking about where Marty's in a bit of a dream world. He thinks he's in a movie. And as it goes along, he starts to realize more and more that he's wait. There's some real consequences to all this. Yeah. And Seamus is the one that really drives yeah. that. Oh my home. gosh! Like this is my this is my family. Right. Like mm-hmm. this is my this is my legacy that I'm dealing uh, with. And like there's a like the the brother's name is Martin. Is this where Marty's name comes from? I don't know. He's never heard of him, right? Uh, he didn't right. know that he existed. Uh, that's true. So I don't know that. I think that that's just the little. <laughs> but like in the alpha timeline, was Martin like a family name? Could have been. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But I. I, I think. I think what it is is it's just it's enough to like sort of get his attention, so that he's like, oh, oh yeah. there's a there like, was someone named Martin call. McFly. Like that's my name. Oh, interesting. Let me listen to this story. And then yeah. he's like, yeah, he and he was a yeah, dumbass. He had a Bowie knife in his belly because he somebody called he, him a he got chicken. Stabbed in the belly. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> he, he's dead yeah. now. He was nineteen. So what? What? My a lot of my biggest complaints. There's actually two. You're hot hearted, Mister Ace. <laughs> both sequences that we're in, uh, we're in between in this week that we move from one to the other. Both deal with the serious issues I had with part two as far as character. So with Marty, we never took the time to settle down and get you know for him to to ever like any uh, digression. Where he considers his behavior or has any moment of interaction with people that's on a human level. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all plot, right? So <laughs> here we get a character that gives Marty something to think about and makes him actually stop and think about himself and his actions. And that's what was missing from two for me. Like I was really, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. And as the week goes on, there's going to be the other part. Well, I'll save that for the later minutes. But And this, this minute ends on such a perfect note mm-hmm. uh, to me. But there's a problem, but that we'll I'll have to talk about that tomorrow. There's one mm-hmm. problem I have with this scene, but uh, we'll we'll have to talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the tragedy of Martin McFly. I mean, it's 
it this might be the darkest story in the trilogy really it's his it's his uh dad dressing up as santa and grandma <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's equivalent i would say to to george's biff universe uh demise because that's pretty dark too like well, the whole- but I, I think it's I think mm-hmm. it's a little more it's a little more violent and visceral, like a Bowie knife in the belly. True. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just like like a like getting shot like oh like I you know I shot him and it's like okay. But then like, again, yeah, he died and George yeah. is somebody we know very well and we don't know this Martin guy. So yeah, that's true. That's there's more. True. There's a little bit more. It's it's so sh- and it's Marty's dad, you know. So it's our mm-hmm. it's our protagonist's father, who he spent a whole movie trying to help, you know. And right. And uh, yeah. So, but I mean, it's apples and oranges. But yeah, it's all there's there's some dark timelines. There's some dark stuff going on under the surface sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where we're at with this movie. We're in a dark time. We're in a violent time. Obviously, the the world is kind of dictated by sudden bursts of violence from people. Yeah. Uh, and if it wasn't for for old Marshall Strickland, who knows what would happen, right? So it's yeah. it's a dangerous place that they're in now. But that's what Marty's starting to realize. That's what's good about these moments is that the arc is starting his his journey is starting to actually take shape. Where it's his journey in two is just moved straight through the plot, and now we're starting to actually see him come to uh, to, to a reckoning with some of the things that he did in the second one. Right, right. Because I mean, to a certain extent. His arc in the second one, I mean, really in the sequels, his arc is dealing with pride. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, cause that's where, that's where the whole almanac concept comes from is like, you know, the, the enemy of, of Marty is, is pride. Like that's like the main, you know, villain in his life in these sequels is that, you know, he's you know, prideful enough to try to use the almanac for, uh, for, 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 you know, selfish reasons. Uh, Mm. and, and, and he pays the price and then, but then, you know, then here you get more sort of like deep character stuff in this one where it's like, yeah, that pride, you thought you solved it by fixing the almanac problem, but you really didn't because it goes deeper than that. Well, do you guys, Uh. Did you guys talk about the, I'm trying to remember is, is the Marty, the Marty that comes back at the end of back to the future two or at the end of back to the future. And then is in back. Is that a different Marty? I forget your whole, you have all these different timelines and and alpha beta Marty's. Right, right, right. Uh, That that, uh, the Marty that we're with is the same Marty that was in the prime timeline at the beginning of back to the future. This has been our protagonist this entire time. We've never followed another Marty. So it's really troubling to me from a character standpoint, not to go so far back, but why, why, why we belong to the church of latter day? I guess. I mean, it makes a lot more sense if he's a different person in two, because I don't understand why he takes that all in neck. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have anything to do with what it, that guy would have done. The guy from the first movie. Right. I mean, well, the, the, it, it comes I'll, from a deleted bit out of the script that they cut out where yeah. uh, Biff elderly Biff reveals to him that Marty that himself, he says like, Oh, you're a loser. Like your father's a loser. But in the, in the original script in lines that they cut out, he goes deeper and says like, he owes all these people money and you know, he has all this money trouble. So when Marty steals the almanac, it's more out of self-preservation than it is out of selfishness. 
Well, that would have made sense because see, then he he returns to a world where of affluence, right? He's got the stuff right. that he wanted because it's an '80s movie. That's the happiness is that truck, right? So right. Uh, yeah. he's got that and he's tasted that and he thinks that's his life. So if that got taken away from him, sure. That that would be totally. I would totally buy that. They should not have cut that out of the movie. Then. Well, well, and what's, that, and what's otherwise, great about, it doesn't make yeah. any sense, right? And what's great about that arc is that he hears that and he's like, "Oh, so if I steal this almanac, I can be rich, won't have any money problems, everything will be great." But what he actually mm-hmm. has to, what I mean, he actually has to learn is that no, you can't just solve your problems with money and stuff because it's deeper than that mm-hmm. you need to let this you also have to make your mom you need to weight. let this ego <laughs> thing go um and right. and yeah. and become a better person that's like what your growth actually needs to be and it makes it would make the arc stronger if he had tried to solve it with monetary you know with monetary uh uh or have a monetary solution and then ends up um, realizing that it's it's actually psychological that he right. needs to fix. It's one yeah. boy's journey from the eighties into the nineties. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I think I think they fix it pretty well. They, they in this movie, I think they bring it around mm-hmm. and they and they solve a lot of the problems. And I guess I mean you kind of need two to be there to set this movie up, but otherwise, I just really kind of I can kind of skip from one to three, you know. Yeah, but. Uh, as far as just having had, some uh, recap of two to lead me into if you three. Look at him like episodes of a, if you look at him like episodes of a TV season, I guess it's not so bad. Oh, it's, we had, two is like the one G- crappy Sherlock Holmes episode of the season, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We had uh, Jerry on from Indiana Jones Minute, and uh, he is actually, um, he has only seen the first and third one. Interesting. I, I and he, and he saw both in theaters. He didn't see the second one and still hasn't seen the second one. Until, he didn't tell us this until like Friday. And we were like, what? we have a million questions. But he, but <laughs> yeah. he was on uh, He was on for this one. Right. Hey, that's mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, I'm not surprised at that, yeah. honestly. But uh, that's funny, though. Well, he. I yeah. mean, <laughs> good for him. Like, if he can enjoy the third one without seeing the second one, I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, I don't uh, I don't have a whole lot else for this minute. Um I mean it's it's really it's just that uh that story um about Martin and uh how it's a good uh Yeah, I mean yeah, it's it is a good minute and I think it's it's all one shot, isn't it? I'm pretty sure yeah, it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's solid, one tracking shot. Solid yep. acting from Michael J. Fox. On both sides. That's another thing. Sides. You forget watching this scene that this is the same guy. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, playing I, opposite himself. It's it's Zemeckis magic as far as how he composed these shots, how he was able to composite them. And yeah. Fox, I, I mean, he's a better, he's given a better performance of Seamus than Marty, I think. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful, it's a really nice shot. And here we are, like to get screenwriter one on one on one on you. Are we pretty much we're at the midpoint of the movie, right? Uh yeah, yeah. So yeah. here we are. I would say the the you know, the showdown with with uh, Mad Dog um on Friday would have been the halfway point, I sure. believe. Well, the the sequence being the halfway point. Right. This would be where my old mentor Mitch Bryan and co-host from <laughs> he would talk about how 
it always seems very convenient that when you have that midpoint turn, somebody also reminds you what the movie's about. And I think mm-hmm. that we just got that from Seamus. Seamus is actually telling us what this movie's about on a character level. And it's yeah. a good time to do that. You got to remind people what Marty's journey is. We got bogged down in time travel and miles per hour and gasoline and trains travel for a little ZZ bit. ZZ Top. And ZZ Top. <laughs> and, and then guns got pulled and the and the stakes got raised and the movie shifted like it should at the midpoint. And then mm-hmm. we got reminded, oh, here's the character stakes. So, mm-hmm. um, so far, solid, solid screenwriting 101 yeah. from Bob Gale. Yeah. It's also Ralph. interesting uh, because... Again, we talk a lot about how this is sort of using the pattern, the screenwriting like outline pattern mm-hmm. of the first film and just sort of uh, turning into a Mad Libs to a certain extent. Um, and uh, this showdown with Biff is sort of it's, it's Marty's I'm disappearing like aspect of the script. It's yeah. it's yeah. Marty's personal stakes of like in the first movie, he's like, I'm disappearing from this photograph. And in this one, it's, I might get shot Look on at this day. photograph. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're right. It's pretty on the money. The same. We have almost a ring theory going on here yeah. between these two movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, you're right. And it's good. Solid. You know what? You're making a pop popcorn movie here. You're making a comedy. Why not? Sketch it, yeah. you know, sketch it out. Good old fashioned yeah, screenwriting 101, do it. And it's because that's where a lot of the pleasures of the movie come from. Uh, actually knowing where you are <laughs> and, and uh-huh. feeling the sequences come to an end and feeling yeah. the moments for the characters. So well, Absolutely. it's like Brad Bird said, man, you know, if you're going to make a popcorn movie, make it like the freshest, delicious gourmet popcorn you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think that about wraps us up for this minute. So we'll be back tomorrow to talk about minute 64, but in the meantime, uh, go check out the other movies by minutes podcast. You can check out, uh, John's, uh, podcast alien minute, uh, and all of the other movies by minutes at movies by Uh, there's a ton over there. New ones popping up. It seems like every other week. And uh, there's a very good chance that uh, if if you're not already listening to the podcast about your favorite movie, that someone else is doing your favorite movie and you should probably be listening to that podcast, too. So go check that out. We're kind of like it's kind of like the podcast equivalent of Whole Foods right now. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. And and if somebody's not doing your favorite movie, do it yourself, man. Come on. Everybody else is. Yeah. It's true. Be your own hero, guys. It's true. Um, And of course, uh, check out the other podcast that we have at DuelingGenre.com. Um, I believe at this point we'll have announced our whole summer slate, but I don't know that for sure. So I don't want to say for sure what it is, but it's, uh, let's see, where are we? This is end of March. Uh, maybe not. I don't know, but we have a whole slate of uh, new podcast launching, um, beginning in May with Spider-Man minute, the, the podcast that I'm doing with Zach Luna. Um, so, uh, if that's something that you're into, go check that out. I think the first couple of episodes are out by now, or the second one is about to launch, um, are two sort of like preview episodes. So go check those out. Uh, and all of the other podcasts we have at duelinggenre.com and we'll be back tomorrow with minute 54. Bye.